11.04, it is time for the Dr. Payne Show, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. That is the number to get a hold of Dr. Lou when the show is not on. Whilst we are here over this next hour, of course, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. What's going on, buddy? Same old, John. I got pain. You do? Yeah. What's going on? Neck, forearm. Everything. Yeah, it's called creeping towards 50, but yeah. yeah. You've had neck problems before, yeah, though, haven't you? I've got an um, anterior bulge of one of my discs, so it's causing a lot. Yeah, I wake up in the middle of the night with arms numb, tingling. Yeah, that, every that's night. common, though. That sucks. A lot of people that complain of numbness and tingling at night or their arms falling asleep, yep. that's usually positional more than yep. it is. Well, again, it, everything that I always say, it's like 90%, right? Because yeah. anything can happen, but. Yeah, a lot of people are often afraid of when they're sleeping, they wake up. It's often just positional, the fact that you're bent a certain way and you're putting pressure on that nerve. Um, and then all of a sudden you start to develop the neurological symptoms, the numbness, the tingling, it goes asleep. Um, so a lot of the times that's positional. Obviously, in someone like you who has a history of, of disc issues in the neck, maybe the position of the neck is aggravating, know. you know, even potentially if you're saying you've got neck pain right now and elbow pain, it might even be a referral pain. Like a lot of people don't realize that, that it, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be two problems. It could be the same problem, but right. equally so it could be two problems, right? So, um, you know, the body doesn't discriminate that way. You can have one problem at one time. You can have two problems at one time. You can have three problems at do one you, time. Is there, do you deal with stuff like this when it comes to this particular problem? I know you don't know yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, because, oh, yeah. Because years ago, 12 years ago, when I went to first have it looked at by a surgeon, he goes, yeah, we can, you know, it's, a, it's an anterior bulge, meaning to the front. Yep. I said, what do you do? Can you surgery? He goes, we could, but he goes, you're way too mobile because you can still use everything. Yeah. There's atrophy, there's, there's numbness and tingling. I said, then why don't you do it? He goes... Because, pal, I got to go through the front. So I'm moving your trachea. I'm Absolutely. moving your, I'm like, okay, stop right there. You'll say, the cost benefit's not there. Yeah. And I, and I mean, this is something, especially when it comes to spine surgery, yeah. there really has to be a good reason to want to go in and start doing things. Um, and one of the good reasons would be, like you said, if there's a lack of function in some yeah. way. So whether you've started to lose muscle mass, strength, uh, your sensation's totally gone, um, anything like that, that becomes a reason why you would want to go and intervene because obviously, you know, as healthcare professionals, in all honesty, and, and this is the Dr. Payne show and, and pain is really part of this. But when, from a healthcare perspective, pain is, is a subjective measure, yep. right? Because you will experience pain differently than I will, different than our listeners will. And so a lot of the times in order for us to be objective, right? Because in, in with objective measures is where we can have better outcomes, right? Because you can measure something. We do need to try to look at what are the objective things associated with different types of pathology. So something like that disc bulge that you might have in your neck. Although you might say you're in excruciating pain, or equally so, you say you're not in excruciating pain, what we, and, and surgeons specifically, will need to look at is what's more objective for me to measure, because we that, that surgeon sitting there might say, well, I don't really know John. Maybe John has always been really sensitive, and, and he doesn't yeah. deal with pain really well. Um, but what that surgeon will do is say, okay, well, what's going on? What is this disc herniation causing um, from a functional perspective? So is there some type of neurological deficit? Have they lost uh, full sensation somewhere? Are they losing muscle mass? Even worse, are they losing full mobility? Like is something happening where you you can't deal with it? And so um, all of that becomes very, very important with dealing with objective measures when you have to get surgery. And I will often tell people, uh, if they're, if they're thinking about surgery, 
what is the reason you want surgery? If it's just simply because of pain. Now, there are some surgeries where it's due to pain. Surgery helps really well, like knees, right? If you need a, a knee replacement and right. it's due to pain or if you need a hip replacement, it tends to help really well with that. But when you're dealing with the spine in an area that's very, very complicated um, anatomically, like the spine... It shouldn't just be based on pain. It should very, very much be based on function. And that's the reason why I've, I've, you know, I think we had a caller a few weeks ago um, that was saying that they they have all this severe pain in their low back um, and they've been told that they have all these disc herniations and they want to get surgery. Um, that person came in to see me and we assessed them from a functional perspective. There's no neurological deficit whatsoever. Reflexes are normal. All his sensory testing is normal. All his motor testing is normal. There's no pathological reflexes, uh, which are things that might indicate bigger problems. Right. Uh, from a function perspective, he's able to bend. He's able to twist. Within reason, obviously, you know, we, you know, but he's able to do the things he has to do in life. That's what we look at. What are your activities of daily living, and are you able to do them? So from a functional perspective... This person was, you wouldn't have known. If, if he didn't tell me that he was in pain, based on his physical exam, you would never know. Right. Um, and he basically said, you know, like, should I get the surgery? And I said, well, you know, if it was me, right, because I can't tell, no healthcare professional can tell someone what to do. All you can do is make suggestions. What I said is, well, if it was me and I had all my full function and it was just a matter of pain, would I do the surgery? No, probably not, because... There's no guarantee that it's going to help with the pain, and it may, in fact, affect the function of things, right? Um, and that's the exact reason why the surgeons that he's seen, because he had a couple of other surgical opinions, and they said the same thing. They're, they said it's not worth intervening, Same, similar to what your surgeon said to you with the neck, like when you, especially with the neck, where it's an anterior disc bulge. you got to go through the throat, yeah. move all that scary. away. That, that, like, just thinking about that is scary for anybody. You're out right? cold, you're, yeah, done, you're, you're down for hours. Yeah, and there's a lot of vital things there, yeah. right? Like you... So, uh, yeah, it, it should very, very much be based on function. And, and you know, and it's an important thing that when I when I meet a patient and obviously, again, the majority of people are seeing me for something pain based because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. um, we you have to stop and, and just forget about the pain in terms of a subjective nature of pain. And really, my job becomes let me look at this objectively due to function. So pain is your body signal of telling you, hey, there's something wrong. Let's go get it checked out. And in getting it checked out, that's where it's my job to um, functionally measure what's going on and try to objectify it. Because if I can objectify it, number one, that's going to be easier to trace progression, right? Because, um, you know, if you could put a number to something or if you have, you could see progression in three weeks, we can reassess you. Has that changed? That's why objective measures in medicine are so much more important than just someone saying, hey, I'm in pain. Because, I mean... I think we can all appreciate that if we won the lottery, the, the neck pain that we have probably wouldn't be it as bad. It went down a little bit. Yeah, it went down a yeah. little bit. Exactly. It's circumstantial. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You're in pain. You got health questions. This is the hour you want to call the station and bring them on. Dr. Payne is here to answer them. Lots more of the Dr. Payne Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 13 minutes after 11 on a wonderful Saturday. It's already up to 10 degrees. We're going to hit 12 today, 14 and 15 for the rest of the weekend. About time. Man, if you're in pain, get out, go for a walk, take a deep breath. My dad, you say, help a little bit just through osmosis, if nothing else. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cells. Number, you have uh, pain questions, health questions, bring them on. That's uh, that's why they're here. Edith, hello there. Hi, Edith. Edith. Hello? Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. 
Good. Are you close to a phone? Do you have it in your hand? Are you cordless? What's going on? If you have it in your hand, please pick it up. The phone. Okay, we'll do. We'll do one, one second, please. Sure. That. Sounds like a drive-through. Remember that call? <laughs> yeah, that was a good call. Yeah. Hold on a second. Okay. Hey. Okay. Well, you're a little better. Okay. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay, go ahead. Um, he's been aiming for a long time, uh, and uh, he thinks it could be a leaky gut. Is there anything like a leaky gut? Well, so what's the issue? Because I missed the first part. This is about your son? Yes. What, and so what does he have? He has um, severe pain, um, which just uh, causes him uh, pressure on the bladder, and then he has to, he feels he has to go to the toilet every time, mm-hmm. but really it's not so. So he thinks it could be like a leaky gut, or a candida. Right. Um, he's done all the possible tests. Everything is clear. Do you believe that there's anything like a leaky gut? Um, it's, it's always difficult for me to answer these things because I try to heavily base my opinions on uh, medical research and uh, clinical practice. There's no good research for the leaky gut syndrome. Um do I think that it's possible that it exists or something like that exists and we just don't understand it? Yeah, probably. I think that's the actually the case with a lot of things in healthcare is that there's probably a ton of things out there. No, not probably. I, I think I know uh, that there are a lot of things out there that we don't quite understand yet. Um, and, and those things have an effect. Now, we, we may be calling it something like leaky gut and we're not truly understanding the full uh, pathophysiology of it and it may actually be something else. Uh, but I do believe that the things that you put in your body will affect your body and, and more so I do believe that it's very much individualized that, you know, and, and we talked about this I think a few weeks ago as well where um, someone called in saying that they had stopped eating fruit and their pain yeah. disappeared. Do you remember that? Yep. And so, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will swear that being vegan, you know, cured everything. everything, So removing any type of product in that nature. Then there's people out there that are all about removing grains and they say and they swear that that removed everything. Um, And I think it I think it's 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 somewhat dangerous to broadly stroke the population with one brush where you can just say, um, you know, everybody eliminate grains and just eat this type of diet. Uh, because I don't think that that's the way it works. I don't think that we can say that um, a certain type of diet works well for for every single person. Um, and so I think it's a matter of individually finding what exactly works for you and or for your son in this case uh, that helps eliminate a symptom. So, and a lot of that is trial and error. Now, the good thing about having these diets is that you can try each one and see which one, whichever yeah. one is best, right? You can actually right. look at, okay, let's try removing just grains and see how that works. You can try looking at, okay, let's remove all meat products or a specific meat product, right? Like some people will just say, I, I eliminated only beef and I'm fine. And other people say, I eliminated pork, other people, poultry, whatever, even certain grains. Some people will say, all I had to do was eliminate wheat. I'm good with everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels better. I've lost weight. I just think it's a matter of, of trying to figure that out. Now, there are controlled ways to do that with, with certain sensitivity testing. Um, but yeah, do I, I guess to simply answer your question in terms of leaky gut, um, it's, it's hard to say, you know, if I can say definitely that leaky gut exists, I think there's probably, you know, the big thing with your gut is that it's very, very highly innervated by the nervous system. Yep. Um, and, and, and the reason, and we essentially have two parts to the nervous system, simply speaking, we have what's called the parasympathetic and then the sympathetic and the sympathetic is the one where we always term fight or flight. 
Um, and the parasympathetic is the stuff that just your nervous system naturally. So parasympathetic would be, you know, when in terms of gut, you're you're calm, everything's going good. You're going to digest your food. It's going to move through your gut. Nutrients are going to be absorbed. Equally so if you're in the flight or fight uh, mechanism. Well, obviously your gut is not thinking about let's properly digest this food. It's no, let's get this out so that we can get moving, right? Because it's it's a it's a hyperactive state. So um, a lot of the times things related to the gut are also very much psychological in nature because if there's high it's it's very like irritable bowel syndrome is one of those things that's a diagnosis of exclusion. So someone who presents with different types of GI symptoms, um, they'll obviously go through the testing to make sure it's not other things that are um, you know, more serious or even better or easier to be identified like um uh, whatever other issue. And so it's kind of one of those diagnoses of exclusion, but irritable bowel and the leaky gut, which is kind of the same thing in a sense, um, are both related very much to psychological factors. So stress plays a big, big part in gut health. And so uh, also managing stress on that front becomes very, very important. So yeah, I think it is possible, you know, that leaky gut exists or something like that exists. Uh, I don't think we have enough you know, good research and testing to, to absolutely define it objectively, like we were saying. Uh, but I do think it is something to, to consider in anyone that has GI symptoms and everything else has been ruled out. And so you think uh, a diet could really help. He's actually going, he's tried several diets, eliminating certain things now, like he's going on a paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying all these things. So I'm sure that if he does uh, and determine what exactly it is, he could get relief, right? I, I, again, it's it's hard for me. I don't. I can't say for sure that he will or will not get relief. I think it's worth trying, right? So yeah. he he can. He. I, I also think these things should also be somewhat under the supervision of a professional as well, right? I, I think it, it shouldn't just be left up to anybody. Just that don't Google does, it. Yeah, don't don't just Google it. Like there's people that deal with these types of things, whether it's a dietitian, a naturopath, someone who can properly walk someone through. Because the reality is. You think you may be eliminating something, but you don't know the full extent of nutrition and and you may not know where those substances are present anyways, right? So a lot of people will try to eliminate gluten. Well, if you actually look at how many things have gluten, it's crazy, right? So you have to be very, very careful. So um, I think it's worth a shot. If you like, give me a call. I can help connect your son with somebody that can help him with that. Edith, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com through email. Lots of uh, time for you to call in, ask your questions. Questions as well. We'll uh, we'll get back to your phone calls at 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell as well. Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, 1122, sunny Saturday. Yeah, beautiful day. Earth, wind, and fire. Besides uh, a little little bit of snow left. You remember last week we were talking about the accidents, like just before we go to the calls and we were, and I was saying, be careful. What was the report? Like 1,600, something like that. 1,600 car accidents. Like Absolutely insane. If you suffered from one of those car accidents, by the way, give me a call because as we talked about last week, uh, you may think you're fine, but there's always things that doesn't hurt to get checked out. Uh, and just make sure from a functional perspective that, you know, nothing nothing was damaged. And, and again, people don't understand the long-term consequences of these things. But I, I figured we, after you mentioned the weather, I was just thinking what a difference a week Well, a month makes. or two months later, you're like, wow, you know what? I don't know why I'm getting this pain. Oh, wait. Yeah. Like a rear-ended. Never mind a month yeah. or two months. Like, I've met people that it's years later. Wow. You, you know, funny enough, just my own personal story. I was involved in a car accident. I was, 
you know, this was about 10, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. I was, I was a teenager still. Um, and you know, still to this day, my back has never, mm -hmm. never, ever been the same. Now I, I'm good. Like I, I practice what I preach. I'm able to manage it. Uh, but it's, it's not like I can say I'm pain free. And, and that's, that's a big thing, right? Like I talk about that a lot. Don't, don't assume that if you've had chronic pain, you're ever going to be pain free. Or if you're calling me because you think, Hey, Dr. Lou is going to get me pain free. Yeah, that's why it's called management. That, that is not what I'm here for. What we are here for is to help you properly manage your pain or, or injury or whatever it may be yeah. so that it maybe subsides. Some, there are some cases if it's acute enough, uh, if it's not that bad, yeah, it might go away and never rear its ugly head again. But things that are significant will unfortunately rear their head. And our goal is to make sure that they don't affect your life from a quality of uh, of life perspective. It doesn't affect the things you have to do. It doesn't affect your social life, your relationships, because Man, I'm telling you the things I've seen with with pain and with chronic pain. I've told you I've seen people who were high end CEOs left into poverty. I've yeah. seen people who had great relationships in divorces. Don't speak with their kids. It's crazy. People don't realize what pain can actually do to your yeah. life, and uh, uh, it, it's really really sad to to see these cases. So you know, and and obviously that doesn't mean everyone that hurts themselves is going to turn into that, but. Why take that chance? You know, like if you if you can get checked out, if you can get things managed properly when they're when it's early, just why not? I, I, I that's all I would say is why not? Yeah, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. The number to call in right till uh, noon today if you have a question about pain or health in general. John, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, yes. Um... Uh, this is actually um, more f function than uh, pain. I don't have a lot of pain. That's okay. I did have um, HDR uh, brachytherapy and uh, a bunch of external beams, so it's a lot of radiation. Mm -hmm. I've had my first follow-up. They're very happy with me. I think they've saved my life. But um, my legs are uh, – I can scarcely walk. Uh, and if I can walk, if I'm fresh, I can walk for maybe 100, 200 yards, and I begin to limp badly on my left leg. Mm -hmm. So um, stairs are very difficult, especially if I've got anything to carry. And I, I waddle, you know, like a, I waddle like an old man. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I'm wobbly. Okay. And so, so, John, you had the radiation due to some type of cancer, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, that's prostate cancer. Oh, prostate cancer, right. Um, so the one thing that I guess I, I should let everybody know, there's a special division of pain management that's just related to pain related to cancer. So, you know, someone like me, we essentially practice pain management outside of cancer because cancer is its own different monster in terms of pain and not just the cancer itself, but the therapies, the chemo, the radiation, the types of pain that that could cause. Um, so I think, John, my best answer for you in this type of case is yes, all, you know, every different type, essentially when you're doing radiation and chemotherapy um, for some type of cancer, you're, you're essentially trying to kill off the cancer, but in order to do so, you have to kill off a bit of your body. Like that is the whole goal. You're essentially trying to kill cells, but you, it's very hard to distinguish cancer cells versus non-cancer cells. Well, They've done a very good job nowadays, right. that's for sure. Um, and that's why the, the treatment for a lot of these things like prostate, breast cancer, the, the success rate is so high and why um, the mortality rate from these types of cancers keeps reducing. But the unfortunate reality is in order to be, to fight these types of cancers, they do have to 
fight your natural body to some extent. So I would say your best bet is is make sure you speak with your specific oncologist. Um, and if there's issues, get them to refer you to people who deal specifically with pain related to cancer because it is its own division. Uh, I I won't I will not pretend that I'm an expert in it. it it's it's you know it's so much more complicated and and it needs its own type of specialty. So I, I would say that that's my best answer for you, John. Let me uh, just point out that um, this is not a a cancer problem anymore. I'm in follow-up, and I I think uh, that's that's not the problem. It's radiation damage. No, 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 and I understand that, but what I said was that the pain that can result is not just from the cancer itself, but from the therapies that they can use. And and when I say pain related to cancer, I I don't mean active cancer. I even mean if you've had cancer treatment and are in remission such as yourself. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I'm saying even that related to the radiation is falls within that subspecialty of pain management. Uh, the uh, hospital doesn't want to talk about uh, radiation injury and, um, uh, sure, should I just take this up with my family doctor then? Uh, yeah, I think so. And your family doctor can definitely start pointing you in the right directions in order to to have that discussion. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll slip uh, Jason in here before the break. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. What's going on? Um, my girlfriend, she has had stomach issues for the past couple of years now. And she can eat anything and nothing will happen. And she can eat the same thing and her stomach will get very hard. And sometimes she'll end up throwing up, and it's like it hasn't digested. But you can see her stomach grow. Okay. And it, it's, it's unbearable for her. Okay. Has she been checked out at all? Yeah, she's went to a few different uh, specialists. I'm not exactly positive what ones. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. But I just, I, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, and again, you're you're giving me a set of, of symptoms in in healthcare. We'll call certain like there's certain symptoms that are pathognomonic, which means that that term means that a certain symptom helps to isolate a certain disease. So something like we've all probably heard of the bullseye rash with Lyme disease. So the presence of a bullseye rash on right. somebody um, tells us that yes, that's due to Lyme disease. But then there's equally what we would call non-specific symptoms, and these are the symptoms like what you're describing right. Right now, like bloating, nausea, there's so many different things that can cause uh, that constellation of symptoms. I think, you know, number one, like just speaking about this generally, number one, if, if you have those types of issues, you need to get checked out from a GI perspective for sure to make sure that it's nothing very serious, uh, because right. that's the way you should look at vital organs or any type of pain in like call it the thoracic region whether it's the chest or the stomach or the pelvis right like those are very vital organs in that area you should always make sure it's not the worst case scenario right some type of terminal cancer some type of serious infection and it sounds like she's probably had all that stuff ruled out and as you start to rule out you rule out the very most serious the things that are most concerning and you start moving down that spectrum towards the things that are not concerning in terms of uh mortalities things like we spoke about irritable bowel syndrome so when you give me this set of non-specific symptoms about a gut issue my brain turns on and i essentially see a spectrum all the way from just stress-related irritable bowel syndrome taking medicine for your ibs right so which then means that she's been diagnosed with ibs or or other things have been ruled out it's definitely more than than just that though 
Like it's it's absolutely insane. You can sit and within five minutes after a meal, you can see her stomach grow, and it is so hard that there's no give. Yeah, well, that that can happen with irritable bowel syndrome, though. There's no like the, for you to say that it's got to be something more. I mean, I I would argue that you. How do you know that, right? Like it may very well just be related to the irritable bowel. It, like should I? Act? Get her to ask her doctor to try different medications, or should I try get her? Well, to okay. So now we're so now yeah. So now we're talking about if it is irritable bowel syndrome, what is potentially the treatment for irritable bowel syndrome? And again, um, there's the physical perspective of irritable bowel, which may be the medication, the chemical perspective, those things. But there's equally some a lot of times with irritable bowel, people have psychosocial issues, and so maybe dealing with those things also helps. So I don't know the extent of your girlfriend's. Um, right. s- symptoms and all those things, but I think y- y- it's, it's not just about medication. Is essentially what I'm saying. There, you got to consider the whole spectrum of things that affect your gut health. And one of the things that's most often not looked at is the the psychosocial component. Jason, moving forward, you want to uh, talk more? One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com for you as well. Lots of time to call in until twelve o'clock with your issues as well. We'd love to hear about them. Get some answers. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star 640 on sale. It's a Dr. Payne show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11.34 on your Saturday morning, 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale. That is the number to call in, ask your questions about pain. Yeah, buddy. I wanted to bring something up because yeah. I, I often will get this call, um, and I think I even just saw it on the screen before, people asking, are your services covered by OHIP? Right. So again, and I've, and I've addressed this a few times, my specific assessment is not covered by OHIP. So if you want to see me for an assessment, it's $65. Having said that, from there, my job when I assess somebody is just simply a pain assessment. So let's figure out what's potentially going on and then let's base our treatment, not based on what I can do myself, but what would the evidence dictate that should be you treated. Need. So the example is you have severe osteoarthritis of your knee. We determine that, we take an x-ray, we look at it, we look at it, we do some testing and we figure out, yeah, this is consistent that you have severe osteoarthritis. Well, what would be the best recommendation in that scenario is, is see a surgeon to have your knee replaced or see a surgeon maybe to have injections like the PRP. So the treatment intervention, it depends what it is. Some things are covered by OHIP and some things are not. So if you go to see a surgeon and you end up getting a surgery, well, yes, that is covered through OHIP. Then there are other things. Maybe I might recommend a brace. For example, braces are not covered under OHIP and usually fall through private insurers or out of pocket. Or maybe I recommend um, some type of therapy, physiotherapy or something like that. Same nature as the braces, not covered through OHIP. Uh, well, there is a subsegment that could be covered through OHIP. Uh, like after surgery, you can get 12 visits if the if the doctor makes the recommendation. Um, and, and it's specific areas for that. Uh, but that would not be, okay. so it would call fall through that. Um, you know, other things say something like the PRP injections. Those are not covered through OHIP, and they're also not covered through uh, third-party payers, really? like insurance okay. plans. So that is a full out-of-pocket expense. Um, so it very much depends on what... The treatment is now again when I meet somebody and we go through. Um, so after we've done our history, our physical exam, the next part, what I call the plan of management, not just what I call, but what is the plan of management, right. which encompasses a, a diagnosis and a list of differentials. Because I always tell people, here's likely what you have, but here's also what it could be. 
uh, because that's very important to consider. Mm -hmm. Then prognosis, which is essentially how likely are you to get better, um, what the treatment should be, and even in what the treatment should be. So let's say, going back to that knee example, hey, you've got severe osteoarthritis, you need surgery. Um, I don't stop there. If the person says, well, I don't want to do surgery or what else are my options? I go through other things. You know, you could get a brace potentially to offload the area that has the severe osteoarthritis. You may want to consider doing some therapy. You may want to consider a PRP injection. You may want to consider doing um, certain aerobic exercises. So there'll be a list, right? And I don't force a treatment on anybody. Number, no. number one, because I can't, right? No no healthcare professional uh, says you have to do this. It is always your choice uh, to do something. And I think Dr. Bergava brought it up one point where we were talking about surgery and, and you know, if you need something like a total joint replacement, like say in the knee or the hip, you do want to delay um, doing it if you're still too young. But it's not really based on age. It's based on you, the patient. Like if, you, if, if you're if you an unbearable knee pain and, and surgery is your best option and you're only 55, well, if you say, I want to do it, then someone's going to do it, right? right. Like that. that is, um, you dictate your own health. When we look at what's called evidence-based medicine, um, evidence-based medicine has three components. It is uh, the best literature, the best, best medical research that we have available around that specific issue. Then we have the practitioner experience, so a clinician's experience or a doctor's experience in dealing with these things. And the third facet of, of that evidence-based care is what the patient wants, right? And that's the one that trumps everything else. Because if, if you can have the best medical research available and you can have the best clinical experience available, uh, but if the if the patient says, well, I don't want that, then it's off the table versus the other two. If you're missing it, you can still go ahead. So you may have good clinical experience, not necessarily good research, uh, but the patient says, yeah, let's try it. Well, then it's a go. And same thing. You might have good research, not very good clinical experience with it, but the patient says, let's give it a shot. So uh, the patient, what the patient wants is what, what is most important in healthcare. And it's, and it's the doctor's job or whoever the healthcare professional is to, um, Provide their knowledge base so yep. that so that the the patient can make an informed decision. Anecdotally, what do you find happens most often? They well, they go for it based on your recommendation, or do you get a lot of people saying, "Man, I don't." I think it depends. Yeah, right. I think I, no. it depends on what it is. Like I I do think people uh, when it comes to surgery, that's where they're most hesitant. Obviously, I think yep. that I think you step. and I right. Like if someone said to me, "Hey, you should have surgery for this issue." My first question will be, well, what else can I do before yep. we go to surgery? And I think you would, Jody, probably would as well. Um, so I think with surgery, people often want to know what, where are, are there other options? Um, and again, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of looking at it in terms of you should always try your your therapeutic interventions from least invasive to most invasive. Um, and now that doesn't always work. Sometimes I do see people that have like, again, the example of the knee, severe osteoarthritis of the knee. And they'll say, you know, should I try therapy? Should I try this? And I'll basically say there's no good research and there's no good uh, clinical evidence that I've seen. But hey, if you want to give it a shot, give it a shot. But I do think your best bet at this Cut point to the chase is, is, the is probably the surgery. But yeah. then equally so, I see other things like the example of the disc herniation that we spoke about at the beginning of the show where uh, people will say, should I have the surgery? And I'll say, well, why don't you try some other things first before you you go down that route, right? Like if there's other things that you can do, mm -hmm. um, then potentially now, again, we're speaking generally here because within every single scenario, there's a difference. There's some times where a disc 
will uh, be injured in a certain way that you don't have an option. You have to go for surgery. Yeah. And there's also certain things that are medical emergencies that, you know, something like what's called cauda equina. So if you yeah. have a disc herniation and all of a sudden that nucleus pulposa, which is the jelly from within the disc, starts traveling down the spinal canal and causing uh, bowel bladder dysfunction. Well, there. that's a medical emergency. Like that, you need to have immediate surgery to clean that up because, or else you can have permanent damage with your bowel bladder function. And so, um, you know, there's a spectrum of when you have surgery yeah. and when you shouldn't have surgery. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots of time to call in. You have questions, medical questions, pain questions. This is the time to ask them and get them answered. Dr. Payne Show, it's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1142. We take the show right till noon, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Uh, 1-855-55-DR-LOU. It is uh, D-R-L-O-U or info at paincarecanada.com. Get that uh, consultation happening anyway. If you have any concerns, that's the first step, right? Get the consultation done. Yeah, I mean, again, it doesn't hurt to give me a call. Um, or send me an email and see, you know, most often I will, I will be honest when people send me an email and it's, and it's there, I'll often say, please send me a number so that we can talk. It's just when it comes to healthcare stuff, it's not like, you know, one sentence for me just gives me a train of thought where I need to ask another question. And so I, I do think the phone call is, I would prefer it, but I don't mind if you want to send out an email initially just to get in contact and then we can set up a time. But I do often uh, say also send me your phone number just so that way I can call you. And, it, and it's actually me that calls you back. It's surprising how many people call me and then I call them back and they're like, oh, wow, like it's actually you calling me. I thought it would just be uh, someone else. And no, it's me, which does mean that sometimes it takes me a little bit of time yeah. to get back to people. The other thing I will say is if you have a medical emergency, don't be calling one eight five five. call call 911, right? Because, and I know it sounds silly to say that, but some people think that this is like telehealth Ontario or 911. It's not. This is me just providing my um, advice on how you should proceed. And again, we've gone through this. Sometimes people call me and I say, sounds like you're going down the right track. Just continue seeing whoever you're seeing. Other times people will explain something that I'll say, you know what? It sounds like this is probably something I have to assess at this point in order to, to give you more specific advice. And then there's other times that people call me and I would, and I'll just say, this is not something I deal with. Like I did with, I I believe his name was John with the the pain related to radiation. That's not something I'm going to deal with. So uh, I'm not going to make you come in, pay for an assessment when I already right off the bat. No, there's, there's no point. So um, I do think uh, it's worthwhile. one 555 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Um, and then also, if you like, send me an email at info at paincarecanada.com. And then from there, we can get the conversation started. And it's absolutely free. That There's no charge to that. So uh, just so people are aware, there's no there's no charge for having a conversation with me. Um, you know, roughly, I would say the average is 10 minutes. But again, it's kind of like my assessments. If if we're talking and it takes half an hour, it is what it is. If it takes five minutes, then it's that's great. It's only five minutes. It's yep. not it's not based on time. It's not like at 10 minutes. I'm going to say, hey, okay, conversation's done, hanging up. Um, it, it's really based on, you know, let's try to get the information I need to to make the next recommendation. You know, we're, uh, I, th- I think we're finally safe now to take the snow tires off. I think we finally turned towards what should be swing near, uh, spring near the Knock end of April. Wood. Seasonal injuries, right? That's going to be coming up. What are you going to be looking for? What's going to be happening in your clinic? Yeah, I get the next thing. Well, you know, it's funny. Almost all of the seasonal injuries just create a spike in low back pain, uh, oddly enough. <laughs> because. 
you know, once this time of the year comes around, people start to do gardening, which involves bending and twisting. And then the fall comes around and they start raking leaves. And that's yeah. a bend and a twist. And then winter comes around and they Double got a snow. shovel and it's a bend and a twist. So, I, I mean, it's no matter what, your low back is always. And that's the reason why the low back is the most commonly injured part of the human body, because it's just the nature of the things that we do uh, in life and, and the nature of uh, how the back moves and the lack of mobility in certain things. But bending and twisting is not what your low back is meant to do. And so if you're doing that, especially repetitively, like during gardening or raking leaves or shoveling snow, you do predispose yourself to low back injuries. So um, that's definitely going to be one that that we're going to see as people tweaking their backs uh, from doing that type of stuff. Obviously, you know, it seems cliche at this point because I think we've heard it enough, but don't bend at your low back. Bend at the, the joints that bend like your ankles, your knees, and your hips. Uh, keep heavy weight close to your core. If it's too heavy, use a partner. Like There's simple things that I think it doesn't really take rocket science. Like I think most people at this point would say, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it's a matter of making sure that you do that. Because if you don't do the things that make perfect sense, that's how you create injury. So, uh, you know, bending at the hips, lifting with with your legs, uh, keeping heavy weight close to your body, it's all going to minimize the risk of injury. Don't twist. Your low back is not meant to twist. If you need to turn, use your feet and turn the other direction. Um, and that's greatly going to reduce the amount of times uh, that people would injure. And it's, it's crazy. When I go into workplaces to do ergonomic assessments or functional needs analysis, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of what I talk about is you can have the most expensive workstation. You can have the best type of belt, this, that, whatever, all Chairs, these, all yeah, all these fancy expensive tools. Um, if you don't do the right functional things, you're going to hurt yourself. It's just that simple. And there's, there's very good research to show, like, if you're sitting long periods of time, if your job is mainly computer desk work, getting up every 15 minutes, like just, if you don't remember anything else, if you work at a desk if you get up every 10 or 15 minutes and move around for about three or four minutes, you're greatly going to decrease how likely you are to to, to injure yourself, uh, especially in areas like the low back and the neck, because you just give that area a break. And it's not really about good posture. It's about we're dynamic creatures, which means we need to continue changing whatever it is we're doing. So even people that say, yeah, but I walk all day. Well, that's equally not as good. If you're walking all day, you should be taking breaks where you sit down. Uh, yeah. And if you're sitting all day, you should be taking breaks. Even something as simple if you, the muscles that control your eyes, right? Optometrists will tell you if you're staring at a computer screen every 10 or 15 minutes, look above that screen and look as far a away the, focus. Uh, as far away as you can because it changes the muscles in your eyes. Um, and, and again, that's what it takes. You have to change uh, what we're doing, and that's just consistent with the human body. You've often said, you know, maintaining posture is bad posture. You know, yeah. sitting there, it doesn't matter if you don't do it. You, you can right. be in what people say is a good straight posture and right. stay there. I challenge someone to do that. Sit up nice and straight, stay there. After about three minutes, your back's going to start hurting. It's just yeah. there's no such thing as a good posture. What what it should be is move around. There's no posture is a good posture. So making sure you're not in any one position yeah. for too long a period of time. Uh, same thing as repetitive work. That That's why people in factory jobs, uh, construction work often hurt themselves because it's the same repetitive motion. And same thing, if you're in the same repetitive motion, you've got to dismiss that every 10 or 15 minutes.
416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Still got a few minutes as we wrap up, close to 12. This would be time to call in. You have questions about your pain, your mobility, your function. That's what we're here for. That's what he's here for. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1152. You still got a few minutes to uh, to call in and get it happening. So, yeah, 1,600 accidents. I mean, if you haven't seen the, the wave of people come by your clinic, it could happen, right? Oh, it happens all the time. We... Our clinics deal with all kinds of injuries. We don't, like there are some clinics out there that won't see WSIB injuries or won't see motor vehicle. We see everything. Like we we just try to provide that type of service where, um, you know, we'll deal with whatever, um, I guess, payer system is involved, I guess is the best way to term yeah. it. Uh, but more so we do it not because of the payer system, but just because people need care. Um, and, you know, again, when it comes to car accidents, I will caution people to be careful where you are going, where you're going for therapy. There's the unfortunate part, and I'm sure Savan's probably talked about this to some extent, where the fraudulent things that happen within the motor vehicle accident system. Um, And, you know, it is not worth doing that, not for the clinics and not for the people involved, because it's fraud. It's insurance fraud, um, and that's a crime. And so, you know, be very, very careful with where you're going. If it's, it should really be based on what you need, not just because you have an insurance benefit that that someone can bill. It it should very much be uh, based on the necessity of your injury and your your treatment plan should be based on the injury, not on just the available benefits. So um, it's it's you know, and there's a lot of places out there. There's there's a lot of great places out sure. there too. Let's there's there's more great places than there are bad places. Uh, the unfortunate thing is those few bad apples can spoil the bunch, right? Um, so be very careful. Like if you go speak to someone and already your spidey senses go off, and you're like, yeah, something seems a little strange here. That's usually not a good indication listening to your gut. But, um, you know, they're billing things. and Or I've heard of things where there's like fake treatments where uh, you just say that you came in, you sign a book. Wow. Um, and then, you know, you're billing an insurance company. And then if your benefit is worth 3500 bucks or something like that, you split that with the clinic. And so that that you should not be getting involved for that. Like, it's not even worth it. Like for you to make a few thousand dollars to be committing insurance fraud and, and, the, and the things, how that's punishable in the law, I, I don't know. I don't even know why clinics do it. I don't know why people want to get involved in it. But, you know, again, we're law-abiding citizens, so it's I guess it's difficult for us to understand. But... You know, for me, it's just a, it's a it's a topic that hits home and it's and it's near and dear to me because I think people should be getting the right type of care. Um, and so, you know, if you were hurt in an accident last week with that bad weather, whether it's a minor one or more serious, you know, please give me a call. I can point you in the right direction. Uh, even if it's not a clinic of mine, I can help find something that's closer to where you live, uh, depending on how much therapy you might need or whatever services you might need. But if you're just looking for an understanding mm-hmm. of how to go about this, uh, give me a call. I'm happy to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Savannah with the Insurance and Injury Law Show here on 640. And they've often said you don't, you don't always have to, but sometimes if your insurance company says, you know, go to this clinic, again, not, it, well, not, that, say, not saying they're in cahoots, not no, saying they're, there's they're not bad in, stuff there, but no, you don't have to. No, and the bad exists on either side of the right. spectrum. There's the ones that are fully not in cahoots that are doing the, the illegal things. And then there are some, again, it's all about bias, right? Like if you're right. part of a network and the insurance is telling you that, well, you know, the insurer likes to have the people who 
you know, minimize their expense to some extent. Now, again, some of our clinics, we work on trying to become part of preferred provider sure. networks just because I believe there's an advantage to it. It provides good care for people. So we can't classify that everyone That's is right. bad or that everyone is good. I'm just saying, you know, be careful with what people are telling you. Like, if something's not making sense to you, I guess the basic thing is just get a second opinion. Go talk to another clinic. Call me if you're listening to this and you're wondering and you just want to have a discussion and you just want to tell me, about a place you went to and you want to understand does any of this seem fishy i'm happy to give you my uh you know give you some advice on how you should proceed uh but yeah you, you need to be careful on either end of the spectrum for sure where when you're involved involved in some type of a car accident and you know it's often a good idea to uh um to have a lawyer on your side if you are i would recommend savan you can let him know yep. that i'm plugging him but uh yeah i've i've you know met van several times i've done the show with him um you know i've gotten to know his team i i think the the same thing how there's bad clinics out there there's a lot of bad personal injury lawyers out there uh and so i think if you can find a good one that's important and i would say that you know my recommendation would be savannah and his team for sure and never let uh, distance be a problem either because i know you've got contacts and clinics and and, yeah don't don't let that if you're yeah no no if like i my assessments me personally right because i'm only one person but my team is big uh we can get you somewhere closer to home don't don't think that uh, you know, it's a distance issue. Even if it's not someone that I'm necessarily affiliated with, I can help you do the research. And I've done that for a lot of patients where if we don't have a preferred provider in a certain area, we will just, I'll just do some research. I'll make some phone calls and I'll try to vet people because if I make a recommendation, I want to stand by it and make sure that I'm sending you to somewhere that is reputable and makes sense. Tell me about the assessment just before we go. Yeah, so very, very simple. So, you know, if we've had a, a consultation, a free phone consultation or through email and we determine, okay, next best course of action is to see me for an assessment, you're going to come in, you're actually going to see me. Uh, I try to get everybody in within a two-week window. I'm also now doing every other Saturday just to open up more right. spots for people. Um get you in it's going to take approximately an hour same thing maybe a little bit less maybe a little bit more it's not really based on time just trying to give you a general idea we're going to go through a full thorough history um we're going to go do through a full physical exam which is very very important um and then if we need special testing or we need a consultation with someone else we'll get those things after we're done all of that then we move to plan and management Plan and management, again, is where we're going to come up with a a most likely diagnosis, a list of differential diagnoses, other things that it could be. That's what a differential is. Um, Prognosis, which is how likely you are to get better. Uh, Your treatment plan, so what are the best treatment options? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, finally determine re-evaluation strategies. Like, at what point do we reassess? Because that's really, really important. Sometimes I'll see people and say, well, you know what? Try this for three weeks. And let's see how it goes. Cool. If you, yeah, and and we should expect, say, 50% improvement by then. And if it's not, then then maybe we're on the wrong track. So we don't just, it's not open, it's not closed-end where it's like, do this and that's it. See ya. Yeah. I, I will often tell people, and, a lot, and the second, third time stuff, after I've seen a patient one time, a lot of it I could just do remotely through phone calls. And so mm-hmm. I often don't get people to come back in. That phone call, by the way, until next weekend, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and email info at paincarecanada.com. This has been the Dr. Payne Show. It's right here at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.